From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. On the show today, we learn about efforts to plant cypresses and other trees in the Lower Ninth Ward and St. Bernard Parish as part of an effort to restore the wetlands and connect the community. Plus, we learn why the organization Dads and Kids recently partnered with a medical center to help better prepare dads for early days of fatherhood. But first... Turnout in Saturday's primary was historically low, so low that Republican gubernatorial candidate Jeff Landry was able to win outright with less than 20 percent of all registered voters voting for him. State politics reporter Molly Ryan talked to some voters at the poll and brought us this report. Republican Jeff Landry celebrated his victory with hundreds of his supporters at an election party in Broussard Saturday night. So I have one question. Do you love Louisiana? Landry won the governorship outright with more than 51 percent of the vote, avoiding the need for a runoff in November's general election, a surprise upset for the Democratic Party, which has held the office for the past eight years, acting as a counterbalance against the state's majority Republican legislature. Tonight's election says that our state is united, and it's a wake-up call. It's a message that everyone should hear loud and clear, that we, the people of this state, are going to expect more out of our government from here on out. The thing is, though, on Election Day, Landry's loud and clear message sounded more like this. Silence. A lot of people didn't vote for Landry because they didn't vote at all. Estimated turnout Saturday was the lowest it's been in a gubernatorial primary in a dozen years, just 36 percent of registered voters. Many polling places, like this one in Baton Rouge near Tiger Stadium, were quiet for much of the day. Some voters did show up to cast their ballots, though, including Jimmy Thomas. I'm 64 years old, and I've been voting since I was able to be a registered voter at 18. Thomas is pretty adamant about voting. You need to register to vote because your vote will make a difference. If you don't vote, it's just like you don't have a voice. So when something happens in your life that pertains to registration of a voter, then you can't say, well, I have the right to do this, and when you didn't never vote to say what you wanted to be done. But his opinion isn't widely held. While he was voting, at the other end of the street, many of his fellow Louisianans were tailgating the LSU game. And while it's possible people voted early or hit up the polls later in the day, Dustin Brady wasn't one of them. He isn't even registered to vote. Well, to be dead honest with you, I'm so fed up with the political system in Louisiana. Brady describes his politics as middle of the road. But his problem with the government isn't its increasing extremism. It's corruption, something the state has long been notorious for. I mean, it's like every year, every eight years, whether it's governor, mayor, whatever they do, whatever you vote for, it's like nothing gets done, really. Like, and I love LSU. That seems like the only thing that in town gets fixed up. The most significant drops in turnout were among black voters and Democrats. And turnout was especially down in blue strongholds, including New Orleans, where just over a quarter of registered voters cast ballots. It's pretty sad if you're a Democrat. <laughs> I feel like I have to come drop my drop of blue in the sea of red. Chody Gabor, a lifelong Democrat, says she wasn't sure who to vote for in the governor's race since her preferred candidate didn't seem to have a chance of winning. It's like, does you, do you vote for an alternative Republican other than Jeff Landry just so you hope that there's a runoff? Um, or do you vote for Sean Wilson, who's a Democrat, who I would prefer to be the candidate? She considered voting for another Republican, Stephen Wagesback, but... I can't bring myself to do it. <laughs> Wilson, Landry's main challenger, had been expected to at least make it to a runoff with Landry, but he only ended up grabbing 26% of the vote, despite the fact that nearly 40% of Louisiana voters are registered as Democrats. 
Bruce Riley says the Democratic Party seemed to be in disarray this election. I never saw any kind of plan by that party. Riley is the deputy director of a voting rights organization for formerly incarcerated people. He's a registered independent but pays attention to party issues. He says the Democratic Party seemed focused on races other than the governorship, and it left him questioning the party's identity in the state. I mean, the Democratic Party elsewhere in America is known as one of reproductive justice and, and women's rights in, in that realm. But in Louisiana, that's not the case. And I think that is something that probably really waters down their unity. In addition to the governor's mansion, Republicans will keep a supermajority in the state legislature and in the three statewide races heading to a general election runoff, Secretary of State, Attorney General, and Treasurer, Republicans receive most of the vote too and are heavily favored to win. The general election for those races is on November 18th. In Baton Rouge, I'm Molly Ryan. A group of organizations known as the Central Wetlands Reforestation Collective has united to restore the Central Wetlands in Orleans and St. Bernard Parishes, including the Bayou Bienvenue Triangle. Their plan involves planting cypress trees to combat flooding and provide homes for many species living in these wetlands. They've been awarded over a million dollars from the State Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration for this effort. With more on what's planned, we're joined by Mike Byros, Restoration Program Director for the Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thank you for uh, having me. Also joining us, Arthur Johnson, who's the CEO of the Ninth Ward Center for Sustainability and Environmental Development. Arthur, good to have you on. Great. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Mike, would you start us off by de- describing the focus area for the restoration effort, the central wetlands in Orleans, St. Bernard Parishes, Bayou Bienvenue Triangle. What makes this area an area in particular need? Yeah, so the, the central wetlands are the, um, it's the the land that's behind the, the levee, behind the, the Lower Ninth Ward and St. Bernard Parish. It was once a, um, a very rich and um, healthy bottomland hardwood forest um, with cypress trees that um, you know, read stories of people that could just take a canoe or pirogue from one side to the other just by pulling themselves along with uh, through the trees. Um, but this area um, has been uh, was decimated by uh, saltwater intrusion that was um, brought in through the uh, Mr. Go, the Mississippi River Gulf outlet, which um, killed off the forest. And uh, since Mr. Go has been closed, um, the salinity has changed and has returned back now to um, a freshwater system that can support um, cypress trees. So that is the um, the basis for this um, this project is to um, restore the forest uh, because the conditions have changed, which would uh, allow these trees to grow. And so let's get into what you plan to do. You've been awarded a million dollars. How do you plan to use that money? We are, are working with volunteers um, we, uh, to, to get trees in the ground and plants in the ground, just cypress trees, um, marsh grass, submerged aquatic vegetation. The organizations involved are um, CRCL, Coalition Restore Coastal Louisiana, uh, CGR, um, Common Ground Relief, uh, the Moreau Foundation, Louisiana Department of, of Agriculture and Forestry, Train Conservancy, and uh, CSED. Now, author, um, how does the Ninth Ward Center for Sustainability and Environmental Development fit into this plan? Um, what are some of the issues that are particular to the Ninth Ward? Well, particularly to the Ninth Ward, the Lower Ninth Ward is a 
even though it's in the city of New Orleans, it's three quarters surrounded by water. So Mississippi River on one side and uh, Central Wetlands on the other and across is the Industrial Canal. So uh, this project really helps to uh, make this community safer uh, and protect it uh, as much as possible from uh, storms that either come up the mouth of the Mississippi or along the Gulf Coast. On top of that, it also helps to uh, solidify the uh, sediment and the land and the coast. It is a coastal neighborhood. And so this project has multifaceted uh, appeal and to our community, as well as to the residents, who many of the residents and uh, that live in the lower nine and are homeowners and have lived there, you know, one, two generations. And so the Bayou Bienvenue um, and the Bayou Bienvenue Triangle, which is there in the central wetlands, are really part of who they are. It makes up makes them up of their recreation. And many times uh, there were members who lived out there or spent a great deal of time out on the water. And so it's, it's recreation. It's also helps to deal with some of the stresses that impact the quality of life issues. It's also, from an economic development perspective, it makes it more attractive uh, with, by doing this and putting the canopy up there in the forestry that uh, it's gonna make it better, probably hopefully for better tax rates as well for homeowners. I, I know uh, resident involvement, volunteer involvement, it's a large role in, in this uh, wetland restoration effort. Arthur, how are you enlisting volunteers and, and what are the volunteers doing? Volunteers from uh, high school students to uh, conferences of professionals who come to New Orleans and hear about us and want to help to do some kind of service learning uh, project. And so we're feeding these volunteers into our schedule as best we can to help with the planning and uh, the distribution of, of uh, plants and grasses and putting things uh, into the ground. So, you know, it also, people feel like they're playing a role when they're able to kind of get their hands dirty and, you know, and, and into the, uh, the whole environmental piece. We're speaking with Mike Byros, Restoration Program Director for the Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana, and Arthur Johnson, CEO of the Ninth Ward Center for Sustainability and Environmental Development, about an effort that will, among other things, replant cypress trees in a stretch of wetlands directly east of the New Orleans metro area. Tell us what's involved in planting cypress trees and why. Why cypress trees? Cypress trees, they... Um... They are native. They, um, you know, grow in in the the swamps um, of the Delta of the Mississippi River, and they um, they can withstand um, being submerged. Um, they are both flood tolerant and they're also drought tolerant, which is a, a really um, important aspect, especially you know coming from the the heat and dryness that we experience through the summer. Um, so they are just fantastic trees all around. That they provide good habitat for other um, birds and animals. And then they also um, help support our, our, our communities. Um, a cypress forest, as it you know, grows and becomes more healthy and, and stable, will help uh, buffer storm surge and um, reduce the winds from, uh, from hurricanes and tropical storms. Um, we, we are actually doing some other trees as well, but the, our primary focus is on cypress. Now, now, Arthur, what's the timeline on the project in, that, in the area, Lower Ninth Ward, where you're working? 
Uh, are you, you you all doing this in stages, planting the cypress trees and other grasses? Uh, yes, we're 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 planting stages. Uh, we're going to start uh, this late fall, um, early winter, which is not really too, winter season for us. It's still very very mild. We're tropical, so uh, we're going to start there um, and then go into 2024 through the spring. And um, so we're, I think this is a, is a multi-year grant. So we'll be doing this again in relation of putting uh, more trees into the ground, uh, getting more volunteers involved. And one aspect we're also, and I want to mention that we're, we're work, we'll be working with our environmental internship program interns for high school students locally, who uh, will also be looking at not only putting uh, trees and grasses into the ground, uh, but also doing some research uh, in relation to to their efforts. And I'll get from both of you. We'll start with you, Arthur. Uh, what do you hope to see in years to come from the effort? Well, we hope that uh, I hope to see that eventually these this effort will uh, not only enhance our canopy and our coastal lines, we'll see some of this. It will also help the habitat. And it also makes recreation more palatable and uh, research also uh, more available for community-based research. So we, we see it as multifaceted outcomes and experiences. And that one last thing that our, our future leaders and future environmentalists, like those high school interns uh, over the years, that they will have this experience and then continue to build on that to be our future, future scientists and, and environmental leaders uh, for the future. And you, Mike. Yeah, the, um, the health of our communities is, is so connected to the health of our ecosystems. And um, if we can work together to um, restore um, healthy ecosystems, it, it will have significant benefits um, for future generations. But it's it's not just about the environmental um, and ecological uh, benefits, which there are many, and those are very important. But um, restoration is also a a way for the public and for people to to engage with these issues um, in the climate world, as I'm sure you and many people are aware, there's a lot of, of doom and gloom and, and some of the projections are, are not um, looking good. But um, to have people have come together and, and work to, um, to restore our, our landscapes, it, it is a way for people to kind of confront that, um, that doom and gloom and um, promote health, both on a personal level, on a community level, and on an ecosystem level. Mike Byros, Restoration Program Director for the Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana, and Arthur Johnson, CEO of the Ninth Ward Center for Sustainability and Environmental Development. Thank you both for joining us today on Louisiana Considered. Thank you. Thank you. From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. At Opelousas Junior High, Ville Platte Elementary, Central Middle School in Eunice, and maybe soon a school near you. Dads in the community are greeting kids on the way to school. This is part of the Positive Morning Tour launched by the organization Dads and Kids and the Family Tree Medical Center, which recently partnered to help men prepare for fatherhood and promote male role models. 
To hear more about this latest initiative and give us the history behind this organization, we're joined by Elliot Mitchell, president and founder of the Dads and Kids organization in St. Landry Parish. Elliot, thanks for being here. Hey, how we doing? Hey, Elliot. Would you start by telling us about how this organization got started and, and what was your motivation behind it? So it, it, it was started by my uh, my nine-year-old son asking me to come back into the school. I was disciplinarian for five years, and I left to go back offshore. So after I, I left, he asked me, he's like, Dad, these kids that you was mentoring are not the same no more. I was like, what do you want me to do? I said, I'm working. He's like, why don't you come back? I was like, that's not going to happen. So how about we come up with something? So I, I, I reached out to some of the kids, and I was like, do y'all want me to go back to school? He's like, yes, please, come back. You know, I said, look, y'all, y'all give me a name. Y'all give, give us a name so we can, you know, get these dads involved in school. And they came up with dads and kids. They came up with the logo. They came up with everything, the font, everything, everything for the organization. So we were able to, uh, to talk to the, the principals and say, look, this is what we want to do. And it was like, are y'all serious? Yes, we want y'all out of school. Please come to our school. What was what were some of the main goals, uh, beliefs, or the mission of the organization? The main goal was to be able to discipline any child. Any male should be able to tell any child, hey, sit down, hey, calm down, hey, do this, hey, do that. To me, every male is a role model. Whether No matter what your title or job is, some kid looks up to you. So whether your personality, when your personality walks in that room, these kids are smiling, laughing, they feel good. And you say, hey, don't do that, sit down, be quiet. They'll do it. Uh, that sounds like a superpower. <laughs> superpower. <laughs> so, well, Elliot, well, I mean, how do you you able to to help dads access that that power? So, what are you, what resources are there for the dads and for the kids? So, for men, it's more if, if you go as a group, everybody's comfortable. To walk into a school as a male, you're kind of nervous because you don't you know you don't know you don't want to talk too loud, talk too low, you know. But when you have a, a group of guys and you have a leader of the group. Just walk in and just show that, you know, just build their confidence. You build a man's confidence walking in and shaking hands. And next you know, everybody's having fun. Mm. Like dads actually have more fun than the kids. Kids kind of bring you back down to earth and you can laugh about something they said or the shoes. You, you mm. always have something to relate to as a male with a kid. We, we just say, look, we're going to lead the way. Y'all just follow us. There are a lot of kids, especially today, that don't have a father figure in the picture. How, how might dads and kids help fill that role? Dad, that was tremendous because a lot of dads, after it was over, they felt like, let's do this again next week. Like, they wanted to do it ASAP. As us going walking to school, not, most of these schools, our kids don't go to the school. So mm-hmm. we have to relate to all kids and walk up there. Then I like your shoes. Okay, you like my shoes. Tell me about your grades, how your grades look. You know, you open open conversation, just having a conversation. And then you got some. You got a kid that's, that's going, I make A's and B's. You know, they want, they want it in, in their attitude. They want you to talk to them. And you got that one kid that's sitting down that does not know how to interact with, with a male. So you got to put a little effort with that kid. You got to walk up to him, shake his hand, show him how to shake hands, look, look, you know, look in the eyes, the whole nine, speak up. So you help build their confidence. We're speaking with Elliot Mitchell, president and founder of the organization Dads and Kids. Elliot, I know uh, you recently partnered with the Medical Center Family Tree. Could you tell us a little bit about Family Tree's fatherhood program and how you're working uh, to prepare men for those early days of being a dad. So Family Tree, uh, we met them doing our dads and kids, Father's Day Walk. And uh, Chris Lazard, that's one of the guys I talked to the most. And I watched him interact and make guys feel comfortable, feed them information. And you, you can look at that man, you, you can say his brain is just turning like, ooh, I'm, I got a newborn. And I'm like, 
yeah, man, look, it's going to be fun the first six months and blah, blah, blah. You're going to go through this. You know, just just get ready. It's not going to be bad. You just got to be able to blend in with, you know, with other parents. So I watched Family Tree just help so many people get comfortable with having a kid. You all yeah. have a lot of fun events. Can you tell us about some of your, your favorite events from the past? Well, uh, we've had, uh, of course, the Father's Day Walk. We had, we've, we've taken a special need, kid, uh, special need school fishing. I think that was the most emotional event we've ever had. The entire school caught a fish. Then everybody, you know, we had lunch with them, sat down with them. Uh, that was one of the most beautiful events we had. It was, it was nice. Uh, gumbo cook-offs. Uh, that's community events. We get, you know, get everybody back together, and we just enjoy each other for like five hours. Black pot cook-off. Uh, we have the Buku Halloween event. We have the East event. A lot I know, of areas. I, I know uh, your main project right now. One of the main ones is the the Positive Morning Tour. Um, what does that look like in action? So it's a process for positive morning. So the whole process is to get dads to school from from uh, city councilmen to whatever male, you know, positive male role model, get to the school. So you celebrate these kids going to school, slapping hands, high-fiving them, speaking to them. These kids are smiling. They don't know how to react. And then you got some guys, you know, they just, their personality is perfect for the situation. So once we get them to school, the second the second process is, Dads and kids breakfast. So that's in the lunchroom. Now you really get that, you know, men and food is just goes hand in hand. So us sitting out eating and cutting up donuts, whatever. Next you know, they's like, look, y'all don't mind if we do this over here at this time. No, please, we want it to trend. We're not mad that y'all doing it. You know, go ahead, please do it. I mean, y'all, y'all need us, you know, just give us a call. Where are some of the schools that you've you visited? So, and and what has it been like? Like what's been the early days as opposed to now when you go back to the schools? Can you see the change in the kids? I think I think most when we first started, everybody was kind of shocked. There was like you know we've sent parents to like a hundred parents, hundred kids to LSU football, LSU baseball games because the kid was doing so so well in school. They earned the ticket and the parents get to go with them. We've done it in Crowley from uh, South Crowley, Ross, North North Crowley, uh, St. Michael's. Now you go to Eunice, every school in Eunice. We've done from high school level all the way down to Head Start, Bill Platt schools, Appaloosas. We pretty much touch base with every school in Opelousas. Um For schools who want to get involved, what can they do? Just contact us on uh, Dads and Kids Facebook page. We have uh, uh, two two Facebook pages. We have like the community Facebook page and the business Facebook. Or uh, they, they can email us at Dads and Kids, D A D S A N K I D S at gmail.com. All right. Well, Elliot, looking back when you were first preparing for fatherhood, what were some <laughs> of what were some of the big questions you had? And and main questions that you think all new dads have. The main question I get is, man, how you how you do everything that you do and still raise a kid? I'm like the same way that, that that mom does. You have to you have to put that time. Your kid is your, your your priority. That's your priority, and everything falls in place. So you got to think about before you say something negative. You got to think about your responsibilities that you have. And and how does the relationship that that the men in this organization form help? work through these questions it's, it's beautiful it's beautiful because like all my guys we all have different personalities so you got different angles they come at i mean and we've been around each other so long we already know each other gonna say we, we know we're gonna say so we all have different personalities but we all have positive ways of you know coming coming out elliot mitchell president and co-founder of the organization dads and kids elliot thanks for joining us i enjoyed it thank y'all 
from WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you've been listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. Thanks to our guests, State House reporter Molly Ryan, Restoration Program Director for the Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana, Mike Barros, CEO of the Ninth Ward Center for Sustainability and Environmental Development, Arthur Johnson, and founder and president of Dads and Kids, Elliot Mitchell. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber, and our assistant producer is Aubrey Procell. Our engineer is Garrett Pittman. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from the Greater New Orleans Foundation.